Hey, hey, cabin crew. I'm your host, Farah, and I want to welcome you to the Conversation Cabin podcast, where we delve into the strange, the paranormal, and the unexplained in all its forms. Tonight, I'm going to be creating a little brew of sorts, pouring in our main character, a young woman named Elva Zona Heaster, adding a cup of Edward Shue, her husband, sprinkling in a short marriage, followed by three cups of an untimely death, a heaping cup of lies mixed with a persistent spirit, shaking it all up, straining it into a chilled glass. This is the ghostly testimony that convicted a killer, the Greenbrier Ghost Case. Are you ready? Bring your glass and step inside. You all know that I love the paranormal. I always ask myself, why do spirits hang around? I've learned that it can be more than a few reasons. Unfinished business, seeking closure, protecting their loved ones or maybe wanting to warn them of an impending danger. It could also be an attachment. A spirit may be attached to a particular place or person and wish to remain in their presence. It could be karma, reincarnation, meaning spirits may come back as part of a cycle. They must resolve past issues or learn new lessons before moving on to the next stage of existence. However, the belief in spirits and their potential reasons for returning is a deeply personal and cultural matter. With this case that we're about to dig into, it's definitely a case of unfinished business, seeking closure and resolving past issues. Elva Zona Heaster was born on January 11th, 1873 in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. She was the daughter of Mary Jane Robinson and George L. Heaster, who were farmers. Although Elva displayed a facade of innocence and purity, at the age of 22, she gave birth to an illegitimate child. In October of 1896, while Elva and her family were on an outing, they stopped by a blacksmith shop. And here is where she set her eyes for the first time on Edward Shue. He was a drifter, a blacksmith. Ed was known for his handsome looks and charm, and he quickly caught Elva's attention. After Elva and her family had left the shop, it was rumored that she quickly returned to let Edward know that she was interested and their whirlwind courtship started. Now, I want to take a little sidestep to give all of you some information on Mr. Shu because it's important that you know about his life for later. See, Elva was not his first marriage. Edward had been married twice before, 
once to Ellen Cutlip in 1885, and in 1894, he married Lucy Tritt. Now, less than a year later, Lucy was dead, but there were no records to show how Lucy died. Stories of her passing range from Lucy being deliberately poisoned by Edward, falling on ice when she was pregnant, and accidentally being hit on the head with a brick by Edward. Apparently, with these types of stories, it doesn't seem like Edward is a respectable man in the community. Now, back to Elva and Edward. Despite the disapproval of Elva's parents, who saw Edward as a ne'er-do-well, which means lazy, irresponsible, or habitually fails to fulfill their obligations or perform their duties. Hmm. I, I don't think they liked him too much. What do you think, listeners? Elva fell in love with him, and the two were married in October 1896. After their marriage, the couple moved to a small town called Raynell, where Edward worked as a blacksmith. But it was in Raynell that Elva's life would come to a tragic end. Just three short months after her marriage, Elva was found dead in her home by a young boy who had been hired by the family to run errands. On January 23, 1897, the boy found Elva at the foot of the staircase. He stood silent for a minute, trying to make sense of the sight that he was seeing. He took a step towards her outstretched body. Mrs. Shoe. Looking over the body, her legs were together. One arm was at her side and the other rested across her chest. Her head tilted to one side. Was she sleeping, the boy wondered. With no movement, no response, when he said her name, the boy panicked and ran for the door out of the house. The boy frantically went to tell his mother what he had just seen. Mother, mother, what's got you all twisted, boy? Miss Elva, she's, she's not moving. She's at the bottom of the stairs, not moving. And you're sure of this, son? Yes, yes, mother, I'm sure. And the boy's mother sent for the local doctor. About an hour later, Dr. George Knapp arrived. But from what had been described to him regarding the state of Elva's body, he was surprised to see when he arrived that Elva's body was now in the bedroom with her husband, Edward. Here's the kicker. He had already dressed her body for burial. Like the poor woman isn't even cold yet and you are ready to put her in the ground? Something doesn't add up here. Dr. Knapp noticed Elva wearing a high-necked dress with a stiff collar 
and a veil over her face. Was that something he should pay attention to? The doctor was trying to examine Elva, but every time he would get close, Edward would lash out. What are you doing? Get away! Don't, don't touch her! Startling Dr. Knapp, he would step back and wasn't able to do a complete examination. With what the doctor had to work with, he recorded Elva's cause of death as, quote, everlasting faint. Now, this term was an old-fashioned medical term used in the late 19th century to describe a sudden death due to heart failure or stroke. It was a way of saying that the deceased passed away suddenly or unexpectedly without any clear cause. But later, Dr. Knapp changed the record to childbirth as the cause of death because Elva was pregnant, but she didn't mention this to anyone. Granted, she didn't deliver a child per se, but it could have been the carrying of the child that took her life is what Dr. Knapp had thought. Although this is what the doctor suspected, Elva's mother Mary was not in agreement. She never approved of Edward's shoe or his marriage to her daughter, and she was solidly convinced that Edward had murdered Elva. Elva's body was carried back to her childhood home, little Sewell Melton, and buried, but not before a bizarre funeral took place. This is where her husband acted erratically. He was pacing by the casket, kept touching and moving Elva's head and neck, then used a scarf to cover those areas. Oh, Elva, let me, let me fix this for you. Oh, I just love you so much. I love you so much. I'll, I'll, I'm taking care of you right now. I won't let anyone touch you. The scarf didn't even match the dress that Elva was wearing, but Edward forced the notion that it was her favorite scarf. Edward, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. It, it, why are you putting that scarf there? No, no, this, this was her favorite scarf, and, 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 and she would have wanted it with her. I'm, I'm not hearing it. it. It stays right here. Edward then began propping her head up, first with a pillow, and then a rolled-up cloth. I understand the grieving process can be different for everyone, but to me... This is very strange. Why would you be continuously touching a dead body and not letting Elva be laid to rest in peace? Have her family be able to say their last goodbyes. Her friends have their moment at the casket. It's like he was deliberately trying to stay around her, guarding her body, so no one would notice something or have enough time to look over her body carefully. 
After the funeral, Elva's mother, Mary, decided to pray hard that Zona would show up in spirit and tell her what happened. How did she die? Elva, come to mother. Please, Lord, bring my daughter to me. Help me understand what happened. It was not until a few weeks later that Mary started to notice strange things beginning to happen. She claimed that when she washed a white sheet that had been placed in her daughter's coffin, the wash water turned red. After about four weeks, Mary said her daughter's ghost had finally appeared to her four nights in a row. You have to help. You need to know. Edward is a murderer. Walking free. He abused me. We had a quarrel. The day that I died. He attacked me. And broke my neck. Bring my casket to light. Mother, you have to help me. Please. Eerily, when the ghost would leave, she would turn her head around until it was completely facing backwards. With all of this information, Mary Heaster visited the local prosecutor's office of John Alfred Preston. Mr. Preston, my lovely daughter, Alva, has been visiting me at night. She has many things to say, and I think you need to investigate her case further. Edward is a murderer, and he attacked my child. He is responsible. You, you have got to reopen this case. <laughs> Ma'am, with all due respect, I understand that you're grieving, but that is nothing but hogwash. We don't open cases for people's wacky ghost stories. And with all due respect, you're not understanding. I'm telling you, sir, if you just bring my daughter back up out of the ground and look at her one more time, you will see she will have a broken neck. Even though he wasn't buying the ghost story, Mary persisted enough that he agreed to have Elva's body exhumed for a second autopsy. During the second autopsy, it was discovered that Elva's neck had indeed been broken and that she had been likely strangled to death. In the Pocahontas Times newspaper, it was later reported that, quote, On the throat were the marks of fingers indicating that she had been choking, that the neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae, the ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed 
at a point in front of the neck. The prosecutor had noticed the bizarre behavior of Edward since Elva passed, and it gave him unsettling feelings, so he did a deep dive into Edward's past. Now, remember, listeners, earlier when I talked to you about Shoe's past marriages? Well, John interviewed Ed's first wife, and she explained how he was extremely violent. Ugh, I, I can't tell you that, man. He abused me constantly. I'm telling you, sir, he is an evil man. And then remember Ed's second marriage to Lucy, who just after eight months, Lucy mysteriously passed away. And get this, in between these marriages, when Edward did a stint in prison, he bragged that he planned to marry seven women in his lifetime. With the combination of Lucy's mysterious death and Ed's abusive streak, this was enough to bring him to trial. Finally, Edward was arrested and charged for the murder of his wife. Mr. Shu, Mr. Shu, do you have any Mr. comment Shoe, can you about tell us your why you killed charges? your wife? Now, Mr. Now, Shu, now we give us a comment in the court of law that Mr. Shu did no such thing to his beautiful wife that he loved dearly. June 23rd, 1897, the trial of Edward Shue convened. Now, this is the only case known in which a testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. Now, of course, this is an exaggeration of the story as John Preston, the prosecuting attorney for this case, couldn't enter into evidence Mary Heaster's conversations with her daughter's ghost. He knew full well it wouldn't stand in a criminal trial and it surely wouldn't get the conviction that he wanted. But Edward's defense attorney, on the other hand, did decide to bring up the ghost story in cross-examination of Mrs. Heaster. You will see that Mrs. Heaster is just a mother who lost a child. Devastated. And we can understand that. But to say that her daughter visited her and told her this outlandish story of murder, it just can't be. He wanted to use Mary's testimony as a way to make her look unstable, discredit her that she was just a mother overwhelmed with grief at the loss of her beloved daughter and was grasping at straws in an attempt to blame Edward for Elva's death. To the defense table's surprise, they didn't get the effect that they wanted from the jury, and the nightly ghost meetings were never brought up again. But many people seemed to believe Mary's account because she never wavered in her statement despite an intense cross-examination from Shue's lawyer. Edward decided to take the stand in his own defense, but it didn't go very well. All he did was ramble nonsense and ask the jury, 
Look into my face. Tell me that you think I'm guilty. I loved her. I would never hurt her. Ever. I'm innocent, I tell you. Innocent. But his sorry testimony only got him another front page headline in the Green Briar Independent newspaper, where they quoted that Edward's testimony, his manner, and so forth made an unfavorable impression on the spectators. When the jury stepped away to deliberate, they came back only an hour and ten minutes later. Jury for person, have you reached a verdict? Right then, pass it this way, please. Mr. Shu, you may stand. My jury. In the case of the state versus Edward Shu on the count of murder, we find the defendant guilty, Your Honor. Yeah, it's about time. Order in the court. Order in the court. Mr. Shu, you have been found guilty, and I sentence you to life in prison. Take him away. Shu was taken to prison. But karma came around twice for him. He soon died after an epidemic flooded the prison in the spring of 1900. Mary Heaster lived until 1916 and never recanted her story about Elva's ghost visiting her, pleading for her to help solve her tragic murder. Ooh. And that's a wrap for our episode, Cabin Crew. Of the Green Briar Ghost. The true crime story that shocked the nation over a century ago. It's a fascinating tale of murder, mystery, and the paranormal. And one that continues to captivate us to this day. While the case of Elva Zona Heaster's murder was certainly unusual... It also sheds light on the cultural and social context of the times, including the role of superstition and paranormal beliefs in the criminal justice system. I will have to say, I've always loved this story because even though Mary never changed her story all the years of her life, I still wonder... Was it just her strong hatred of Edward that made this ghost story just appear in her head? Was it this calculated plan of attack? I mean, she was going to make Edward pay regardless. But was it just a feeling she had? Or did her daughter really visit her? I want to know what you all think. So under this episode's comment section, tell me your thoughts. Do you think that she hated Edward so much that she just planned this little attack, making this story up? Or do you think that Elva really visited her mother, giving her all the details of her murder? Also, I'll be posting on Instagram that the show is up, new episode out now. So if you're on there, leave a comment there as well. Today's quote is by Alice Siebold from her book, The Lovely Bones. 
Murderers are not monsters. They're men. And that's the most frightening thing about them. Real quick, anyone that is listening for the first time, thank you so much. I do appreciate your follow, your listen, and support. I want to give some quick shout-outs. Cryptid Warfare Podcast. I had recorded for their show the other day, and the episode just came out today. So go and check it out. I had such a blast with these guys. They know their shit. They actually go out and Bigfoot hunt. They also interview some great people with great information, people that have awesome stories to tell. So go find them on Spotify. I also came across Twisted Chamber Podcast. Go check them out if you like the paranormal, the spooky, and the macabre as well. And let's see, I can't forget my girls. Vicky, Mrs. Spooky Obsessed Podcast, Amanda, One Nothing Podcast, and Courtney, Haunts Podcast. If you have not checked them out yet, go click on to follow them. Click on to auto download. When all of their episodes come up, you are missing out if you have not listened to them yet. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed this episode, Cabin Crew, and learned something new about this intriguing piece of American history. But until next time, explore your strange. <laughs>